When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Sunny Hollywood Pooney from the Growing Up Rock podcast and Podcast Rock City, and you are listening to Jay Scott on The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Do you know where you are? I certainly hope so. Time to get hooked. Everybody, what's going on? Welcome back to the Hook Rocks. I'm your host, Jay Scott, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I always mention before we begin each episode, great platform of music-related podcast. Something for everyone's music taste is on the platform. I always mention my friends on the Hanging and Banging podcast, Vinny Apice and Carmen Apice, along with Ron and Nesty, as well as Shout Out Loudcast. Martin Popoff, Mistress Carrie, and Baco on Cobras and Fire. So check out all those podcasts on the Pantheon Podcast Network. You can find that platform at PantheonPodcast.com. You can follow them on Twitter and on Facebook, Pantheon Pods. And you can also follow The Hook Rocks on Twitter and Facebook. Search us up at The Hook Rocks. You can follow us wherever you do podcasts, any platform we are on it, whether it's Amazon, Spotify, Apple, you can catch all our episodes. Don't forget to set your app to automatic download so you get all the latest and greatest Hook Rocks episodes. We've had some great episodes recently. We just had Emma Reynolds on, the director for the Phil Lynott documentary, Songs for While I'm Away. Great conversation with her about Phil Lynott and her approach to the movie and what she wanted to tell, uh, the, the story she wanted to tell about Phil. We also have had some great New Music Spotlights with Seven Stones, Odd Even, and Travis McCready, the former singer of Bishop Gunn. We also tackled the subject on streaming services, proposing the lowest royalty rates in the history of music. So catch out that episode. I get a little fired up when I talk about that stuff because it's how much more can you take from these artists? It's just absolutely ridiculous. Sliver of a penny. Sliver of a penny. Sliver. A sliver. But uh, our next guest, or my two next guests, are members of a band that I've been wanting to have on since the beginning of this year, ever since I heard their single Breathe come out. Uh, fantastic video, fantastic song. What really 
to me, separates this song from a lot of new bands that are out there is the arrangement is just absolutely kick-ass. It's so layered. It's so textured. Uh, it's a great band, a great band to watch out for in 2022 and beyond. I'd like to welcome in Stacy and Peter from Crashing Wayward. What's going on, guys? What's up, Jay? Thank you. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, man. Totally looking forward to this conversation for a while. Glad we're able to do it. Um, and glad we're able to do it before the end of 2021, because I kind of want to include you in that conversation of great emerging bands that have come out since 2020 into this year. Uh, there's been so much great music, you guys included. So it's a pleasure to have you on the Hook Rocks. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. Well, we always, we always start the same way. Every time we have first-time guests on the show, we always start with the same first question. And that is really what we're all about. Just like every great rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you guys? Stacy, you want to start? <laughs> how, you gotta, uh, you gotta, what, how to describe this band or just... Uh, you in general, right? Yeah. Whatever hooked you. What, whatever set your path um, on rock and roll. I, I think, um, you know, for me, it was, um, you know, I came from a long line of piano players. Um, so, you know, I was fortunate to, much like uh, you know, Peter, to have uh, an older sister who had, you know, uh, lots of friends. And my friends had older sisters and brothers who had great record collections and I think it was for me, it was the probably the first time I heard Black Dog by Led Zeppelin. And I was just like, what is that? Um, but I was also into, you know, the Bee Gees and the Eagles and, you know, anything music. Uh, Gordon Lightfoot, you know, um, I remember that being resonating with me as a five-year-old, you know, I'd walk around my house going, sundown, you better take care. <laughs> um so there was quite an eclectic um, mix of music uh, for me as a kid. Um, you know, I was into everything from, you know, Van Halen to Cheap Trick, but also really liked, um, you know, David Bowie and the Bee Gees and, um, you know, Sticks and, and, and bands like that. And, uh, you know, in the early 80s hit, I was sucked into all that early 80s new wave movement of the motels and, you know, um, psychedelic furs and uh, David Bowie. Of course, he always changed with every decade, but um, all those great bands, Billy Idol and Duran Duran. And um, so, uh, you know, there was an eclectic mix of music that resonated with me on all that. So that's, uh, yeah, kind of complicated. <laughs> yeah, my, mine's a little more... Uh you know, cut and dry. Uh, I can go down the list of what influenced me or to me from the get go. My first memory was queen. Another one bites the dust. And, uh, just hearing that, uh, for the first time was just like, wow, it was kind of like funny. I was young, but it was like a funny song. Like, wow, what are they, what are they saying? Another one bites the dust. And, uh, from that it was Duran Duran, actually, uh, a lot of the new wave and, the funk and kind of like 
uh, disco and just the anthemic swells of the music really hooked me. Then I kind of got into uh, my brother, listened to a lot of uh, post-punk, uh, early goth and alternative. And I remember one evening uh, going to bed and he would just be playing his records and the Colt Electric came on. And that just kind of like, that, that was the big hook in rock for me. Uh, yeah. the cult. Music was yeah. so much more magical back then. Uh, I don't know why music is, is, I mean, there's a lot of good new bands, but just in general, like why is music sucks so bad now? Well, I had a, I just, I had a conversation with know. Mike, uh, our producer, Mike, about that and, uh, just the other day. And it's because back then I, we feel like, you know, people made albums. Now it's just about the single. Yeah, I, I think there's something to it. I think it's the lack of physical connection with music. Yeah. You know, when, when I was younger, when you guys were younger, when we went to the record store to get an album, that was going to babysit us for like the next two weeks. We'd lock right. ourselves yeah. in our room. We'd have the liner notes. We'd look at the album art. We'd look at the back. Yeah, it was an experience. It. Yeah, it was an experience. Now it's point, click, and download. It, it, comes from, it comes from thin air now. There's no... right. There's no, there's not an appreciation uh, for it because you can't touch it, you can't feel it, you can't hold it. Um, Dude, and I, yeah, Fr- and I, yeah. Friday nights at Tower Records. Yeah, I know. For, in Chicago, we had Rolling Stone Records, and yeah. we get our uh, we get our paychecks, you know, on Friday. You know, I worked at a grocery store, and then we'd all, you know, jump in a car and we'd all go down and pick up hot dogs and go to the record store, and we'd sit in the parking lot and listen to the albums that we just got on the tape deck in the car and we cruise up and down the streets. Everybody's listening to music. It was, it was a moment that you look forward to. Now it just doesn't have that, that feel to it. It doesn't have that, that physical connection. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, Stacy, you mentioned something too, as well with piano. Mm -hmm. Um, My musical journey, I've mentioned this on the show. My grandfather was a piano player back in the days of the speakeasies he used to play for the mobsters wow. back in chicago no kidding. Oh, nice. and, and uh his, sam giancana who replaced al capone my grandfather was his favorite piano player and wow. and uh i used to stay overnight there when i was a kid and i remember as early as four years old waking up on a sunday morning to this booming piano in the basement at a baby grand and he he played it like it was thunder Oh yeah. Like, like, like he really hit those keys hard. And then I had an older brother who was four years older than me that brought the album journey escape into the house. And I was like seven or eight. Of course, the first song is don't stop believing. I hear the piano I make that connection. And then I was on my way. Yeah. What a great album. Yeah. Yeah. That album changed my life too. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Peter, you mentioned, um, you know, the, you know, the, another one bites the dust, which was, you know, really big here in Chicago because it was played after Chicago Bulls games when, when Jordan was uh, right. playing. And then you also, I never really had an appreciation for Duran Duran until I saw them live like 15 years ago. And right. I was blown away, absolutely yeah. blown away. I mean, like they're, I mean, talk about sounding almost perfect. Yeah, right. Sometimes it, yeah. a, that's a cool moment you mentioned jay that it's like the certain artists that have been around for years and you may have been like yeah they're okay you know or you appreciate yeah i listen to them and then years and years and years go by and you see them and all it's just like i remember i had that experience in 98 i saw Iggy pop and i was just blown away man this guy came out in no shirt cut 
like a rug in black vinyl pants and just destroyed, you know, 2,000 people. And I was, I, I, my eyes, I didn't take my eyes off. And this band was all cool and they smokes in their mouth and like Les Paul. It was fucking amazing. It was one of the best concerts ever sound. I was like, it reiterated how great that artist was. And all of a sudden I went down the pop wormhole, you know, mm-hmm. I started buying all those little back catalog and the stooges. And it was just like, I got sucked in and exposed to that at an early age, but it, I, I, you know, didn't really become like ensconced in it. Yeah. It, it is a great moment when you find an artist that has been around for so long and it's like a new artist for you. It's like a new band, you know, and you go down that rabbit hole of discovering their music. And I know we just talked about Thin Lizzy before we came on. Thin Lizzy was one of those bands for me. Like I couldn't have cared about Thin Lizzy while I was growing up, while I was, you know, growing up in the late eighties, early nineties. And then about 10 years ago, you know, I only knew them, you know, jailbreak and, and boys yeah. are back in town. And I started listening to Johnny, the Fox record and uh, just blew me away. And just the lyrics that Phil wrote, you know, like poetry, yeah, the stories. Great, great lyricist. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, I, I love when that happens or like even a song, like you ever have that experience where you get an album and there's a, always that song or two in the beginning that you kind of skip over. And then like five or six years later, you're just playing it in the car and you hear that song, you're like, wait, this song is really fucking good. <laughs> like, like, why have yeah. I not listened to this before? You know? Right. So yeah, yeah it ha- yeah. I love when that happens. It's like it's like a whole yeah. it's a whole newness and discovery that that is, is that is the gift of music. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That happens a lot for me when I'm watching a movie, you know, a song I just totally hate. But if it's in the right moment, it's like it just totally opens up your a whole new perspective. Or when you're in a club, yeah. you know, when you're in a club yeah. and you're, and you're right. waiting for a band to come on and they're playing songs before they get on stage and, you, and it just hits you right at that yeah. moment. And you're like, this is a really badass song. And it just seals the deal for you. It's, it's just, it, it's that experience. And, and I don't know, you know, if younger people, the younger generation get that yet. You know, I think mm-hmm. there, I think it is changing. I think yeah. it really is. I think if you look at what's happened as a result of a pandemic, I think a lot of younger people have that angst that rock and roll needs to survive. Um, And I I think that's been, been created as you know, the last year and a half. Yeah. There was was some young guys we met at our first show, which was just October 15th. And uh, I, I saw these two guys standing together and they, they were just fixated on us all night. And I could, it was kind of amazing to see, because it was like, I could tell that they were experiencing something very cool of what we were, you know, throwing out there. And, uh, you know, Pete and I would talk to them after the show. If you remember those guys, Pete, and they, they were, yeah. they, were, they yeah. were just so cool. And they were, they were, they were really oh, yeah. by the show. And that's an amazing, well, I love that exchange when you, you know, cause we're all fans, whether we play music or, we're, you know, we're looked at, at as um rock stars or whatever we're still fans you know so uh that and that energy whether it's from us or from a fan's perspective it's still that exchange of that awesome music when it's really good 
Yeah, it's that synergy that's created, you know, between the crowd and the band that, you know, once it's in your blood, you know, once you experience that, that's why I always tell my friends who have younger kids, you know, I have a 16 year old, but, you know, a teenager, take them to a rock and roll show. They'll be changed forever, yeah. changed forever. It's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's not science. It's just, it's, yeah. it'll happen. You know? to go see Alice Cooper, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where did it go from there, guys? Where did your journey continue in terms of wanting to be on stage, wanting to be in a band after that initial moment that hooked you on rock and roll? Uh, geez, for me, it actually kind of came later in life. Um, I've always kind of thought of myself as a performer and, uh, I never really took myself seriously as a singer. And then, uh, you know, to be honest, I actually pretty much got started from, liquid courage and karaoke and i'm like you know what i'm gonna start a band <laughs> it just kind of went from there i just love performing i've always loved performing rock because it's just it's just like a, a full it's purely cathartic for me every time i'm on stage and i perform so um it's always been uh a desire just to get that out and be on the stage and perform the way we uh you know i do with my band and it's just a beautiful thing. So um, that yeah. pretty much was my start. You know, it's nothing like going back. Oh, I started when I was 13 and liquid courage and karaoke. The rest is history. What about you, Stacey? Um, um, you know, I uh, started piano when I was nine and took heavy lessons to 11. And then my parents bought me this little acoustic guitar. And I just remember I picked it up and I, you know, did the Pete Townsend thing. thing never and never left my hands. So, um, you know, by the time I was 14, you know, my parents are going, Oh shit. What did we do? <laughs> uh, and I would just stand in front of the mirror and I would just, you know, visualize and, you know, one thing else to be law of attraction. Right. Uh, I would just visualize and I, stand there with my electric guitar and I would just visualize the lights and screaming fans. And it was, you know, it was everything that it sucked me in, you know, watching Ozzy and Judas Priest and, and Van and it was like, that's what I'm going to do, you know? And, um, I was like, that's, this is it. This is my destiny. So I, you know, I, I was, I was blessed to have music in my life at a very young age. Um, and, you know, I had bands and I started playing clubs when I was like 18. Um, you know, and then uh, I got my first break uh, when I was 23. I grew up in Toronto and I joined a band that was on Virgin Records uh, in the States. And, and then, um, so that band for eight years, and then uh, 2003, I joined LA Guns, and uh, was blessed to be in that band for 10 years, and did many, many, many world tours and records. So uh, I've, you know, really worked my ass off to get where I, where I am. <laughs> Feel very blessed at the same time, but it was, you know, what I visualized as a kid, and uh, it's funny when it's like those dreams do come true, but. Um, you know, you work your ass off to get where you're at and it's, you eat a lot of shit along the way, you know? Um, but I, I can't imagine doing anything else. So. I'm not really good at anything else. But What about no, writing music? True. You know, writing music is, is a, is a very important part of creating. Um, 
was there a song that you heard that inspired you to write a melody, write lyrics, uh, continue on that path? Because, you know, that, you know, you can hear music, you can begin, you can pick up the instruments and playing. And a lot of people in the beginning, they, they play what they know. They play what they hear. They play the songs of the bands they're listening to. And then there's that moment where the light bulb clicks where it's like, Hey, that's a great song. I want to, I want to be able to, to connect and write a song <laughs> like that or, or, or be in that type of bubble. Was there a moment for you guys? Hmm. I think, um, you know, Pete and I have a lot of the same influences. So I think that's why we gel as writers, um, you know, as, as well as uh, Carl and Dave. Um, I think is, you know, Pete and I have sat and had drinks and talked about this. And I, I think it's, you know, for me, it was taking melody from like, say, David Bowie or Bee Gees, like, a, and being a piano player as a young kid. And then, but putting that to like, you know, the dirty, rawness ass kicking of like, you know, of early Aerosmith and Van Halen and Dio. And, and so you make up uh, for me as a writer, I was like always mixing those elements of like, you know, say, you know, say a prayer by Duran Duran meets, you know, uh, Judas Priest, you got another thing coming. So for me, it was always, it was always about melody and this emotion and this painting. Uh, and that's kind of how I, I, I established myself as a, as a pretty good writer. You know, it was taking all these different things and, and mixing them together as opposed to writing in just one style of riffs and stuff like that. It was a, it was a canvas for me. Yeah. Pete, I think it's uh, yeah. the same way. Yeah. It's like a kind of an evolution for myself kind of goes back to, uh, you know, the Colt uh, electric album. I think that's kind of where I started when I started writing. That was a main big inspiration for me. And I think like what Stacy is, uh, was just speaking of, it's been kind of a, just a, you know, a work in progress and an evol- uh, it just evolved into what it is now, just kind of hitting all, all the, where we're at right now, it's just, I, I'm writing the most genuine uh and i hate to use the word authentic but it's the most authentic music i've ever written lyrically melody it's the most in the past i always felt like i had to be somebody else you know it's like "Ah, i need to be ian ansbury or josh todd because it was the you know when buck cherry first came out that was the thing now uh, it's taken me some time but I, i have my voice and i am me for the first time I think really? you channel also too, Jay. It's like, and we've talked about this too, but it's you channel who your idols are. You know, for me, it's like I wanted to be, you know, Joe Perry, um, you know, and Randy Rhodes and, uh, you know, all the uh, Steve Stevens and all Johnny Thunders. And I think with Pete too, it's like he channels his David Bowie, his his influences of Scott Weiland and and uh, you know Ian Asbury, and uh, but you know Pete's also into Michael Jackson, and so I think you take all these things and you make it, you just kind of all tie them up in this knot, and then you just release it, and it, it you become you. Um, but uh, Pete's he's got a, he's got a real fantastic sense of melody. And again, that comes down to influences as, you know, I do with my guitar lines and stuff. Um, 
are very eclectic, kind of airy, haunting. And that's, you know, I get that growing up listening to Rush. You know, for example, Alex Lyson was a big influence on me. But then I, I, you know, I take those, like I said, you know, melodies of like, say, the motels or Duran Duran and then mix it with a little, you know, Aerosmith or uh, Guns N' Roses or any of any of the, those great classic bands. And then you get this kind of very interesting. That's why when you hear Breathe, it, it wow, this sounds really different because it is different. <laughs> and if you'd have heard the demo that Carl I wrote 10 years ago, it's night and day from, you know, what we recorded, but the idea was there. So, you know, when we all heard that, it was like, this is, this is freaking cool. Yeah. Let's, yeah, this is going to be something special. And then Mike came in, changed the key, dropped, dropped it down to a drop D and changed the key. And then it just went from there. And Mike Gillies, our producer, who's, um, was Metallica's studio engineer for 26 years. Um, fantastic producer, sixth member of the band as far as I'm concerned. He just went to town and that's what you hear. <laughs> but that's, it's different than anything I've ever recorded. And I think it's different than anything you've done before. And, and yeah, I think so uh, it's exciting. Yeah. With this band, it's it's actually one of the first bands we never sat down and said, all right, guys, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to sound. This is how we're going to live. The only thing that we said is we want to do something different. Yeah. And we don't want to do any rehash anything that we've done in the past. We don't want to look like it. We don't want to sound like it. And that's kind of yeah. like where it is right now. And everybody, everybody contributes yeah. to the songs. What, what's cool too, Jay, is like when you hear our music, it's like there's a little bit of everything. You can hear a little Stone Temple Pilots. You can hear a little bit of Soundgarden. You can hear the Cults. You can hear, uh, you know, some Food Fighters and Guns N' Roses. So it's just all this great elements of great rock uh, mixed up into a classic new kind of modern vibe. I don't, I, I don't think we sound really like anybody. No, you don't. I, I agree. I, I, and that's one thing that really caught my ear was the texture, the layers that you guys have. I mean, there's not one definitive influence that you yeah. can say, oh, if you like this band, you'll like these guys. I mean, it's basically yeah. a, a stew of stuff that you guys kind of all merge together. You know, I mean, I think of the conversations I have with my son, who's a, who's a young guitar player. And he was asking (laughs) me, you know, about, you know, listening to stuff. And I said, at your age, you should focus on listening to everything. Oh yeah. Because because if you're, if you're only listening to one style, you're going to sound like everybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, you listen to the blues, listen to jazz, listen to pop rock, listen to country, listen to everything and pick, and pick things that you like from each artist and that's how you'll find your own sound. Um, And then the next day I see my John Lee hooker and my muddy waters uh, albums in his room. (laughs) So so that was, that was awesome. Yeah. As far as that's, that's the hope for uh, rock, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that's, I think, and I did it too, when I was growing up, you know, I grew up, you know, during the you know eighties and that's all I listened to. Everything else was shit. You know, mm-hmm. um, and then I started to listen to a lot of singer songwriters, listen to a lot of different stuff, um, you know, like Butch Walker or Pete Yorn, artists yeah. like that, um, you know, 
I like that old swampy country stuff too, as well, which is really kind of blues based. Yes, totally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's really important. I think too, one of the things that, that I see, especially with newer bands, um, they're all good. I, 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 I never try, I never bash anyone. They all have their place. Um, yeah. but I think a lot of people focus on, oh, they sound like this band. Oh, they sound like yeah. that band. And I guess it, it might be hard to do because, you know, you're a young kid and you're listening to this type of music and, you know, you don't maybe understand the legacy of, and the footprint, I should say, probably the footprint of influence those bands leave and to kind of fall under their shell and fall under that bubble. That's a, it's a, it's a pretty wild place to be if, if you're going to go that route. <laughs> You know, because you're you're gonna be yeah. you're gonna be compared to those bands. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but you know, I do like the bands that kind of forge their own path and give me something new. Uh, going back to our influences, we're all influenced by, you know, we all know the Stones were influenced by Muddy Waters and yeah. Blues and such. Yeah. You know, I was actually just listening to Funkadelic the other day, and was like, oh my gosh, this is Prince. It was like everything about it was Prince, but you know, Prince went on and wrote his own, made it his own thing. And, uh, you know, I'm really hopeful for the youth. I see a lot of youth, uh, playing instruments again and guitars and getting into rock. And, uh, even the first band that, uh, the band that opened, uh, with us, our first show, uh, slaves to humanity. I mean, these are kids and they're out there rocking, you know? And, um, so that's kind of like where we want to we want to jump on and uh, play with a lot of alike bands with us that are doing things that are different, especially in the youth, uh, you know, in the the younger bands as well, you know. So that, I just tap into so that. So cool when we were backstage uh, at the show, and you know, we were listening to the opening band, and they went into this version of Baba O'Reilly, and I was like, what? Wow. I mean, these kids were like 16, 17 years old, and, and they did this cool version of that without keyboards. And it, they were, yeah, great, great band. We're going to do more shows with them, actually. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Band. Yeah. As far as Crashing Wayward's history goes, how did, how did this all begin for you guys? Well, uh, well it's kind of an interesting backstory. Um, do you want to tell it, Peter, or do you want me to? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Um, so I hadn't been uh, doing anything musically for about 10 years because I was kind of at a point where just nothing was gelling. And um, I, so I kind of just more or less gave up. But I had a close friend who started off as you know, one of my biggest mega fans from my previous band and he just never gave up on me. You know, he, he was like, I'll put you in the studio. You can record your own stuff. Uh, so we, we did a couple of songs, but he would always send me, uh, you know, links of bands that were auditioning or looking for a singer. And I would just shoot him down every time. Nope. Nope. Not what I'm looking for. And, uh, one day out of the blue, he sent me uh, a link to Stacy's Facebook and says, Electric Radio Kings is looking for a new singer. Their singer just quit. I just messaged Stacy. I saw this, you know, in the text message, his little profile photo. And I'm like, and I saw Stacy, Stacy David Blades. And I'm like, I know that guy. 
So uh, long story short, uh, <laughs> Stacy, uh, I guess you're more or less interested, intrigued to what Steve was uh, telling you yeah, or so sending you. Uh, you know, backstory, Pete, Pete and I actually knew each other in the early 2000s, and he would come up same friend we hung out we got to know each other but then we lost contact with each other so anyways um uh from 2017 to 2019 this band uh, electric radio kings and um and we got signed to a company called mi5 which was part of universal and we had done a couple singles with big radio campaigns that did very well. So we actually remade uh, a version of uh, Amy Winehouse's Back to Black, which uh, actually charted uh, number 28 um, on Billboard Mainstream Rock Charts. We were like, holy shit, it's all happening. And it was a huge management deal in the works. And we started playing some great shows. And the singer, I he just knew that, you know, I could see this unfolding. He, he was on the fence and he wanted to do it, but he didn't. And I, he knew that he couldn't carry. And the night our album came out on Universal, we played in Houston in front of a huge crowd. And uh, we got back to the hotel and he's like, check your emails. I quit the band. See ya. And we locked the record stiffed. <laughs> it didn't do anything. The management deal fell through, and that was it. Uh, it I was just the band imploded, and uh, I was I was going to quit music because it was like all this building success, and we were getting tons of national radio airplay. And I'm like, what the what what just happened? But. It happened for a reason. And so uh, Peter's friend, Steve, messaged me. And I, I was so checked out at that point. I was just like, I, I, I just didn't care. But it was like, I got to keep the band going and continue this, I don't want to say legacy, because it was no legacy. But I got to hold on to this life raft, you know. <laughs> so he's like, do you check out Pete? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, go back on his page. So I went back on his page and Pete had redone a version of Rihanna's Stay. And I was just blown away. And I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. I, I was like, holy fuck. This guy's amazing. So I messaged Steve back and I said, Yeah, this guy is great. He goes, Well, you know him, Stace. I go, I don't. He goes, Yeah, that's Pete from Whiskey Star and Daredevil Jane. It was like a brick bang. I'm like, holy shit. And it all just <laughs> so I'm like, oh my God. Like, yeah, you know, have him call me. So I'm like, what's up, dude? And uh, you know, we caught up and this is the you know what caught what Sold me was like Pete was like, I'm your guy, man. Don't fuck around. Don't fuck around with anybody else. I'm your guy, and I'm like, damn right you As, are. You know why I said that is because I was so tired of getting runarounds from other bands, <laughs> yeah. and I'm just like, this is it. This is it for me. I'm going to do this. I know Stacy. Uh, you know, I dig Stacy, and this is it. 
So I, yeah. that's why I said what I said. So. so all the other guys just kind of started coming in with Carl and Dave. Dave was already filling in for uh, Keith Horn, who's the guitar player. So um, Dave was like, you know, I'm like, do you want to do this new thing with me? You know, but we were calling it ERK still. <clears throat> um, so we played a couple shows right before the pandemic. And um then, you know, shit hit the fan. And uh, then the drummer was like, I'm not going, leaving my house for a year or so. And, you know, we were having problems with with with, uh, with him. And um, great drummer and everything, but uh, it just wasn't working out. So we got Sean. And then it just really started taking a life of its own. And then that's when, you know, Pete said, he's like, Stace, this isn't, this isn't a bunch of radio games. He's like, you're the only guy from that that band. Because we got it, we got it, we got this is a whole new different thing. It sounds nothing like that other band. I was like, you're right. So uh he was like, you gotta change the name. And I, I had to <clears throat> to legally do it because I had an LLC with the singer. So we're like, oh, okay, what are we gonna call the name of the band? So that's the worst, that's the worst. Yeah. Because you got five guys trying to name a band. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's chaos. So Pete and I started throwing a few names around, and all of a sudden, just third day, I'm like, Pete, what do you think you're crashing wayward? He goes, That's the name, that's it. That's the name of the band. He goes, Don't, don't dictate, you know, any other name. He goes, That's it. And he goes, You tell everybody that's the name of the band, and it's not open for discussion. Yeah. <laughs> In hindsight, so, we should have gotten everybody involved. So I, said, I told them everything was going on, and I, yeah, I had to legally dissolve this name. And uh, like, what? I said, okay, the name of the new, new uh, band is Crashing Wayward. It's like they were like, is this up for discussion? I'm like, nope. <laughs> Everyone's like, okay. <laughs> so uh, I had to be a little bit of a ball breaker on that, but you know, it was like you know, Pete was saying it's like if if this will be drawn out for months. Um, and you know, we made the announcement and the, the, the response was off the hook. And I was like, damn it, buddy, you were, you were right. It was really, really overwhelming the response. So I, I that's when I knew we'd made the right decision. <laughs> you know, have you yeah, know, it, it, Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say it really opened up the door for us to write the music that we had gone on to write. So it, I think it was the best move that we could have made. But. You know, you also have the element of the pandemic and Pete, you mentioned something that, you know, you are, you feel like you're, 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 you've connected with yourself lyrically and, 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 and writing music. Do you feel like this pause and things really helped that come along and really helped that process with you of like kind of finding yourself musically? And, and I think you use the word more authentic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think just, uh, you know, uh, especially just the year, you know, of 2020 and just, you know, that entire year and just uh, more or less being quarantined at home, really, you know, self-reflection, you know, self-reflection and, you know, meaning of life. And, um, it just, uh, so much going on, you know, uh, socially, politically, uh, 
you know, alienation from neighbors and, you know, who to trust, who to, you know, just everything has just like really opened up the floodgate for me lyrically. And uh, it's allowed me to write uh, stuff, you know, content that is, uh, I feel, I feel brave singing what I'm singing about in uh, most of these songs. All these songs have a meaning and it's not going out and hanging with the boys and getting drunk, you know, um, and nothing against any of that. That's all great. And we need to have fun, you know, songs like that, but I wanted to have a uh, depth and meaning to everything and uh, have something that is fun, you know, not everything just down and out and, um, you know, woe is me, but have things that kind of uplift people and make people think. And um, that's really what the last two years have uh, given me. I've, I feel blessed in that way. It's just kind of, you know, really opened yeah, up. Everything with this band has really kind of been a gift. Just the songwriting is, you know, we got four very strong songwriters and Sean does this thing on there and, you know, just kind of is so open-minded too. Cause some drummers are just like, I'm, I'm playing what I want to play. And, you know, Sean's just like, what do you want to do? You know? And then, you know, it, it's, sometimes we just go, just do your thing. Or sometimes we'll have an idea and he, and he, and he takes it and he makes it great. So this, this synergy be, between the five of us is just freaking you can't touch it man um it's just incredible you know and i've been in some great bands and and there's 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 something to be said about the chemistry between the five of us is uh um very very compatible did you find that the pause with covid helped the band i mean it is dangerous for a new band to to not have any gigs and to not and, and it's hard to keep a band together you know, yeah. when you're dealing with all that, but at the same time, you know, having yourselves find yourselves and find yourselves as a band musically, lyrically, the direction you want to go. Uh, sometimes a pause isn't the worst thing. No, it, it, it helped us because yeah. we just spent, we spent once everything kind of opened up like last August of 2020, the studios were even closed here. So we, we couldn't, we couldn't work at all. So we just demoed and demoed and demoed and demoed. And then Mike started doing pre-production. And uh, so once we got in and started recording, we just, just spent so much time refining all these songs. And then just a more batch of songs came and, and it was just like, it kept us busy. So we were, I mean, we were bummed. We couldn't play, but this wave of creativity was just unstoppable for us. So, um, yeah, we got we and you know we got what we needed to to get done, and we shot the video in November of uh, twenty, and uh, so come February, boom, we had this great new single and a great new video, and uh, we had two other songs at that time that were already pretty much finished, and then we were like, okay, we need to do the rest of an album, so we went in May or June through just last weekend we're still recording but all of a sudden these all these songs we wrote mike's just the production and it's like holy crap this is some he's when the producer says this is magical from a guy who worked with metallica for 25 years and says this is magical it's like i think we're doing i think we got something cool you might be honest on yeah. 
we might be, you know, and I, 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 I'm not one guy to toot my own horn, but this band's, it's freaking amazing. You know, I, I'm, I'm proud to say that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, it, it, you know, we just had our first show and it feels good to get that one dust off, you know, the cobwebs and get that one going. And now just kind of like, you know, get that, you know, fine tune our craft and get on stage and just play these songs and just uh, gel. Cause I think that has, I, I feel very blessed that we've had the time to develop these songs and write this out, these albums, or it, it's going to be a couple of EPs is what we're deciding to release. Mm-hmm. So we have a couple of EPs worth, um, but it's given us time for that, but it did take away from us getting together and rehearsing and, uh, playing uh you know together uh, i feel that uh was the biggest negative and loss for us but we're getting back into it now now that things yeah. are you know in full swing and i'm i'm excited for that i'm excited to just gelling with these guys on stage knowing where they move and just kind of you know matrixing around them because just feeling it so as far as what's next when can we expect a full length album from from Crashing Wayward? I think February and March will release the first EP. Um, and we're going to ready the new single, which is called Stranger Days, which is a phenomenal song. And we're going to do something very different visually for that uh, video wise. So that'll launch the first EP and, um, we're booking more shows and we're going to start venturing out east um, and um, try to conquer the world. There's a world left to conquer. Chicago. Did you, did you, you mentioned yeah. east. Uh, I'm in Chicago. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, we, we'd love to go. Yeah, we'd love to come out to Chicago yeah. and play for you. As far as the music goes, you know, t- 2021, uh, was it overwhelming? Uh, or had an overwhelming amount of great music seemed like everybody was swinging, you know, from the fences from, you know, early on this year, all the way through, through the month of November into December. Uh, And, you know, a lot of bands have to keep in front of their fan base nowadays because the attention span is so short because what is looked upon as great on a Friday by next Friday, shit by next Wednesday, you know, they're onto something else. So you have to mm-hmm. really keep in front of, of an artist. And you mentioned the first EP coming out. And I've heard a lot of bands that I've talked to taking an approach of doing an EP at the beginning of the year, doing another EP at the end of the year. So they can keep having material out in front yeah. of the fans. Is that is that right. the idea for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and Sean too. Oh, I'm out. And then, you know, these guys are going... Well, that just blows a whole wad right out of it. Everything is so quick, 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 quick now these days. And like, so it's like, why spend that format and just blow it all out of something that we've been working on for two years? So let's kind of breadcrumb, you know. Yeah. So when it's all said and done, we have 13 songs, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, we want to release the two EPs and then uh, uh, combine them afterwards and put it out as an album. But it's 
it's just like what you're saying. We got to keep it going. Otherwise, you know, uh, and I feel it every day, you know, the FOMO, you know, like what's happening next. Are we, are we too late or, but we just got to be patient and uh, ride this out. We got a good thing going. I think it's relevant. Um, And um, so I think we, you know, we're writing something that could last uh, quite a, a while, you know, so that's relatable. So, yeah, I, I think 2022 is going to be is going to be just as strong as 2021. Just from the bands that I know that have been hanging on to an album and waiting mm-hmm. till next year because yeah. they were like, yeah. "Man, there's so much new music coming out. Let's wait because you know all the great music you don't want to get ignored. You don't want to get forgotten about because man, there's some there's some heavy hitting going on with with music right now." Uh, yeah. I mean, just, it seems like every Friday, you know, my, my bank account becomes less and less because of all the music I'm buying and, uh, and damn it, these pre, uh, these pre-ordered vinyls that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like every time I go on, on a site and I, and I get the, the, you know, the pre-order vinyl, I'm like, this is going to drive me into bankruptcy with all these vinyls that I'm buying. So uh, it's just crazy, but no, it's, it's a, an exciting time to be a band and an exciting time to be a fan too, as well, because, you know, before the pandemic, we were talking about rock and roll being irrelevant, taking a backseat to other genres. You know, people even said rock and roll is dead. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think for 100% certainty, you can't say that anymore. I think that the words now are resurgence. The words now are what's next. The words now are is you know connecting to the youth you know to yeah, connecting to younger people yeah I, uh, it's you, like people say rock is dead it's like you know Pete and I went and saw Guns N' Roses forty thousand people live in Legion Stadium it's just like yeah well I I don't think rock is dead right so, well right uh, and like, rock oh, is dead on, band, but there's rock is dead on top forty radio you know uh, but all the band always was it's all rock bands you know? yeah. you're right well yeah. Okay, except for when I mean, Warren I mean White Snake ruled, but, uh, but you know, <laughs> yeah, but you know that was a product of MTV, though. You know, that's when radio started to follow what MTV was doing. You know, or MTV was breaking all these bands, and then radio, you know, had to follow because they were going to get, you know, they were going to get crushed, and they had to start right. playing these bands. But I never understood the fixation with rock bands about being accepted by mainstream. I've never understood mm-hmm. that rock and roll really isn't supposed to be mainstream. It's supposed to have that, that fuck you attitude. It's supposed to be, you know, yeah. it's supposed to be like that. And, you know, it's okay if the Grammys fuck it up every year, it's okay if the rock and roll hall of fame fuck, cause that just adds to our cause, right. That just, that just right. puts another brick on our cause and saying, Hey, you know, this is, this is really the music that that we love and we listen to. And we don't care what critics say. I always get nervous yeah. when I yeah. hear people quote critics about rock music. And, you know, the music I grew up and love was never accepted by critics. You know, I mean, you know, whether it was Maiden, whether it was Dokken, whether it was whoever, you know, those, those were never, you know, darlings of the critics or anything like that. And and uh, I see a lot of similarities. Yeah. Iron Maiden, they, they sell out every place they play us. It's like, oh, well, Critics yeah. Darlings. It's like, you, who cares? Yeah. You know, and, and I also, I, I mentioned this a lot on my podcast. 
you know, my connection with my son who listens to a lot of the new bands, he said something very important, I think, too, as well, that a lot of young kids went in the pandemic listening to pop, listening to rap. And when you're sitting at home every day, e-learning, and you're and you're not doing anything new, and you're struggling with finding something to be interesting, that's when these young kids start turning a rock, right? Because they're pissed off. They're not yeah. hanging out with their friends. They're not, you know, being social like they want to. So, you know, he said a lot of young kids found themselves during the pandemic. You know, they, they turned off the pop music because it's the same thing. They wanted something different. They turned up the rock music. Yeah. You yeah. know, and now when I go to shows, whether, you know, I, I go see the Struts or I go see Rival Sons or I go see other bands, there's a lot of young people oh, that I never saw before, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Do you guys feel That's that too as well? I mean, phenomenal. Pete and I saw this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Pete and I uh, and my dearly departed ex-wife um, passed away last week. Oh. Um, we, three of us, uh, that's why I'm, I'm wearing sunglasses. I, it's, my eyes look, I look like a you know, heroin addict because I'm just crying and crying. Um, but uh, we went and saw the struts uh, for our my anniversary right before the pandemic and I Pete and I were blown away at the 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 connection of that audience from 15 years old to 60. I've never seen an audience, Jay, you saw them play and just everybody singing everywhere. It was like one unity. I I never never seen that at a show before. And I was just like, it really influenced us, you know, because we were looking at each other going, well shit. We got to top this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was inspiring and also made me feel like I suck. So <laughs> it, it's interesting you no, say that because <laughs> I taught I, I took my son to see the struts and Nick Perry uh, a couple yeah. months ago. And he, you know, I we go to all these shows. I take him with me to all these shows I go to, and we're walking out, and I go, What'd you think? He goes, That was incredible. I go, That's how it's done. That's yeah. how a lead singer holds a crowd in the palm of their hand and gets them to do whatever he wants them to do. Yeah. And I said, that they, that's magic right there. That's really something special. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, yeah. Pete had that moment, too, uh, you know, because, like, I mean, it was our first show that, you know, I hadn't played in 17 months. Pete hadn't played in 17 months. The other guys have played. So it was very special for Pete and I. And um he was very quiet all week and I was kind of getting worried. <laughs> it was just like, he was like Ross on, on friends when he was like living with uh, Joey and, um, Hi. and Marty's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I was like, and then he just came out of the gate, man. And he, Pete looked so fucking rad and he, he was just on fire and he, and I saw something very special in him that night. And I'm like, this is what from the first conversation I had with him. And cause I'd seen him play. This kid's a superstar. He's going to be the next Bowie, the next Scott Weiland. And it's like, it was like watching, you know, Nick struts, uh, you know, it, it was that same kind of energy. And it's, I'm just so excited for us to get in front of really a lot of people and, you know, let, just let loose and let them, let the magic 
pour out of us because I feel that this whole band's been just an absolute gift from God. You, you know, when we think about years past, decades past of the scene that occurred in LA and the scene that was in Seattle, the scene is really global now. Um, and you're able as a band to reach fans that normally, you know, years ago, you wouldn't be able to reach. You couldn't get their music. It wasn't as accessible as it is now. And that's something yeah. that, you know, is, is really different and a positive, especially for new bands that can release a single, release an EP, and people in Spain, people in South America, people all over can hear your music and make that connection and build your fan base that way. Have you seen a lot of, of interest from outside the U S outside of Canada? Um, you know, we got, we got played on this uh, Australian podcast. And I remember the guy's reaction after he played, Oh, he played disco kills. Was that it Pete? Yeah. Our second. Uh, single, disco kills, which is Yeah. A great song. Fantastic song too. He's like, uh, I tell you what, it was, you know, it was something like that. Um, so to hear that, wow, well, I'm like, wow, we just got played in Australia, and the guy's reaction with the accent it was like that felt pretty good. That felt pretty good, you know. And that was one of the first songs uh, Dave brought into the band, or the guitar player, Dave Paris, and. Um, it was like Sabbathy, Soundgarden, and that was the song I played to Sean, our drummer, when I asked him to, to if he was interested in the band. And he heard that, he was like, "Fuck yeah!" So um, we've had some press in South America and stuff too, but you know, the band still at Jay is, is fairly new, so we're still yeah. getting that. But um, yeah, we got uh, um, Disco Kills as well. To mention, we won you. Uh, UK's classic rock magazine track of the week. That's awesome. Yeah, we, we was it was a stiff competition. Yeah, <laughs> we, we won. Well, we we won. We won. So uh, we were like, vote, 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 vote. Come on, every all of our fans, vote, vote. So, man, we just we just skated by. But that was that was pretty prestigious for us to to win that. We did win some international film awards in like India or Breathe. Um, we look forward to going to India. So. <laughs> <laughs> it looks the nice Indeed. little piece of paper we won got chosen. So I, don't <laughs> I, I always yeah, I so always, a little bit. I always get, I get amazed when I look at the analytics of the podcast and I I see Pakistan on there. I'm like, who the hell is listening to me in Pakistan? Who, who the hell is listening to me babble? You know, technology, hate it or love it. Uh, yeah. It, 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 does, it does, you know, go to realms of above and beyond. So, yeah. Because normally it's like, you know, if it was 1988, it's like, you know, there's nobody in Pakistan that's able to get your music to, for an unsigned, no. <laughs> unsigned band. Right. You know? Right. But it even was that way, too, where, like, if you were a band in New York and you were a local band, me being in Chicago, more likely I would never hear that band. Oh, of course not. Yeah. And I, and I think the, the reach is so awesome now that. Yeah, that's a definite plus for sure, Jim. Yeah. You know, it, it, it really is. I mean, I, I've talked to bands who 
have gotten in contact with booking agents in Belgium and Spain and rock bands are treated like royalty over there. You know, there's, there's still that mystique about rock and roll where I think in America, it still isn't at that level that it used to be. So, you know, it, it, it's been a great conversation, guys. Um, I do appreciate you. you coming Thank on. You. Yeah, What's and be idea? sure to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, we'll have a new single and video out soon in the next couple of months. And uh, our EP is coming. Amazing material. And be sure to um, join our, our website, www.crashingwayward.com, and um, follow us on Instagram. Um, we're going to start touring next year and come to a town near you. Awesome. Well, hey guys, it's been great. It's been a pleasure talking with you guys. Everyone, that's Stacy, that's Pete from the band Crashing Wayward. Check them out on all the socials, as Stacy just mentioned. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay strong, stay safe, take care of each other. We'll chat soon. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for having us. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.